Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Outreach Church Partnership Evangelism. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about how you can help us reach lost people around the world by raising up evangelists in every place. Or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho. And now to God's Word. The professing Christian understands that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. There's not one moratorious moral act that we can bring to God that accomplishes the righteousness required for us to enter into His presence. Because of our sins, there's only judgment coming our way, and nothing we can do by way of moral deeds will stay that judgment. But there's one who has provided the righteousness we need to come before God, and one who has borne the punishment our sins require in judgment. And all he has done is applied to us in salvation when we believe in him alone. We have faith in him. This faith is so pressed upon the individual by the Spirit of God that the Lord Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 29 said, This is the work of God that you believe in him. Now that saving faith produces in our life a stream of obedience that flows out from that time of faith. Paul calls this, in Romans 1, 5, the obedience of the faith. It is this saving faith and the obedience that flows from that faith that Paul says he takes to the unbelieving Gentile world. Then he tells the Christians he is writing to that this call to faith and obedience is also for them as well. It's not just for the lost sinner. It's for the saved saint. That's the idea here. That's what's being called upon. Then we remember that the Lord Jesus who poured his life into us declares to us through his Holy Spirit that we are to love one another and we're to forgive one another and we're to serve one another and we're to make disciples of others. He commands us and directs us and that's the obedience that flows from faith. So that James says in James chapter 2 verses 17 and 18, thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. For someone will say you have faith, I have works, Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Obedience of the faith that goes out from our life. Here's the third point, and it's the objects of our gospel. In other words, who it is that we're sent to with this gospel, those that we're called to go out to. And the message of the gospel that Paul is proclaiming, Paul says, is to go out this message of obedience of the faith, this accomplishment that people might obediently believe in Jesus Christ and in obediently believing in him, obediently follow and obey him. This message is to go out among all the nations, he says, or all the Gentiles. What Paul will say in Romans 1, 14 and 15, you can just look over in your Bibles. Paul will say, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul is only being consistent with the impulsive call upon his life to take this gospel of Jesus Christ, which is manifested in the lives of people by their obedient faith, to take it out to the ends of the earth, to take it out to those who have never heard and and going to Rome, he's just being consistent with what he's been doing all along. He's driven by this burden to pay forward the good news of God that he himself has received. At the same time, though, Paul lumps into those he is sent to, those who have already answered the call of God. He includes into those he's been sent to the elect themselves, 
who have responded to the call of Jesus Christ and believed in him. Romans 1 verse 11. Paul says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. Now what does that mean? It means the message of the gospel that comes as a loving call and is answered by the elect of God. These believers who are beloved of God and called to be saints, Paul says, still need to hear and live under the message of the gospel. They still need the gospel preached to them. Paul says, I'm not only going to the Gentiles, I'm not only going to the people who haven't heard, I want to go to you too, it's for you as well, who are called of God. They still must render to God the obedience of faith. They still must learn to give to God the obedience that rises from faith. Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles, but then Paul includes in that mission these others, these believers, these saints, these called ones in Rome, they too, they too must be ones who become and receive the message of the gospel. And what does this mean? It means this. It means as a church, we have to work together to take the gospel to those who have not heard it before. And yet it also means that our ministry and a body together of God's gospel must include a ministry of God's truth to one another. It means that we have to lay upon ourselves, the members of the body of Christ, this gospel message and this call to live in obedience to that gospel. Our lives must manifest in obedience to the faith. The other day, we had a men's breakfast together and there's always a question that's asked. The question that was asked is, have you ever misread a situation or a circumstance or a person when you're encountering somebody? Have you taken information about a person, information about who they are, what they are, and met them and then found out that you read it entirely wrong? That was basically the question. Basically, have you judged a book by its cover and found out actually it's not what you thought it was? Usually when he asks these questions, everybody's, you can see everybody's quiet for a long time because they're trying to find an example or a story they can tell. But when he said that, it was, my mind exploded with examples of it. I do it all the time. I hate saying it, but the place where it happens to me the most is when I'm counseling with believers that come to my office and want to talk to me. You know, there's issues in their life, they're struggling, they've got problems they're facing. And when they come to me, usually they don't tell me all that's behind their question or their concern or their issue. They conceal some of the more, you know, some of the items that might not reflect as well upon themselves. They might point to another individual, to the circumstance, and I jump to the wrong conclusions. And as a result, I oftentimes, when I chase out on my own advice and my own counsel, I oftentimes find myself giving them just the opposite counsel to what they need. So how do you mitigate against that risk? How do I mitigate against that risk? What have I learned to do? Well, I've learned to limit myself as much as I can, although I'm not perfect in this, to counseling people in the unmovable biblical injunctions of God's word. You can't always see what really, what are the real matters in the lives of individuals, but God's word is unchanging and God's word can search them out. And so Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the vision of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you don't know the real situation in most people's lives. They tend to leave out important details that might reflect poorly upon themselves. So what do we do? Well, we lovingly 
patiently, direct them into a trust and obedience to Christ regardless of their situation. We can get wrong in our own opinions that we form based upon the information we've received and what we understand. And so we learn to kind of suppress our own ideas and thoughts and we then speak softly and we try not to assert our own influence but we can resolve at the same time that above everything else what we want to be understood and heard is God's truth, Christ's commands regardless of the situation or circumstance because God's word will always hit the mark and Christ's teaching will never lead a person who submits to it into the wrong place regardless of the situation. He has to be Lord. He has to be submitted to. There has to be a complete willingness on your part to live in complete obedience to Him regardless of your situations. Is that in place? That's the life of faith. It's out of that that God's good news and God's gospel and God's relief comes to you. We have to be committed to these things. We have to be committed to these things in the church. Here's the conclusion, the goal of our gospel. Paul says it's all for the sake of Jesus' name. We want him to be glorified. We're compelled by more than just saving lost souls or helping each other out of troubles and trials or helping each other to stay true in their faith. That's all good. But in the end, our goal is greater than our own personal good or the good of anyone else. Our goal is the glory of God. It's the glory of our Savior. It's love for Him that leads us to these ends. It's easy to be motivated in such a way that our motivation gets twisted around just fulfilling duty to others or avoiding conflict or not feeling guilty or not disappointing expectations or making other people happy for his namesake. For his namesake. For his namesake. So that the name of Jesus Christ may be set with honor upon our lives and our actions and our work and our labors and our relationships. And so the name of Jesus Christ might be placed upon the lips of those who have yet to live in faith, obedient faith to him. But when Jesus' name comes forth from their lips, what a wonderful testimony. What a wonderful witness. The other day I was watching a video of an individual who had, just a video that was a short video, an individual who had received a certain particular triumph in their life. It, it didn't have anything to do with, anything to do, a spiritual triumph, just an occupational triumph in their life. And they were walking along in a crowd that was kind of happy around them. And you heard the person say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. That's what we want. Jesus' names upon the lips of those who know he is their delight. And he is the one who is providing. And he is the one that they have obediently believed in. And so he's glorified in that. That's why we do this. Well, let's... Think about how that impacts our lives. Let's lay on our bed at night and think about what are the things Christ is asking us to obediently do for him. Let's lay on our bed at night and think about those people we love, those believers we love, and what it is they've come to us, they've asked us questions, they've expressed their concerns, we're praying for them. What is it that God, God's word asks of them? Let's encourage them with that truth. It's the gospel. It's the gospel played out. Let's bow our heads. Bibline people, people of the book, people of your word, people bound to the word made flesh. 
people who have found life in the Son, who found the answer for their sin, the source of all righteousness, the one who delivers from judgment and now brings us into everlasting eternal life. Oh, the gospel. We were compelled to believe by your Spirit's press upon us, by your grace, your enabling given to us. And now compelled to declare that gospel to the world and to one another and to live, to live in it. Lord Jesus, may we be faithful to these things and so glorify your name. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad you joined us today. You were invited in that message to that obedient faith which trusts in Jesus Christ alone for salvation and in trusting in Him, trustingly lives in obedience to the Savior from day to day. Before we sign off from this broadcast, I want to also remind you to go to a ministry website that we've developed called testyourtestimony.com. That's testyourtestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches that do not have a true born-again relationship with Jesus and so face the prospect of his rejection at the judgment on the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop a site where persons can apply the commandment that God gives us in 2 Corinthians 13.5 to test ourselves and see whether we're in the faith. So please go to that site and prayerfully consider someone else that you can share it with. That's testyourtestimony.com. For now, we look forward to our next time with you partaking in the bread of life. Till then, may God bless you.